Okay, so if there had to be like a modern patron saint of neighboring, I would I would totally vote for Mr. Rogers. Which makes sense. And I think the vast society would. But before you do that, I do think some questions need to be answered. Of what? Who? What questions? It's Fred Rogers. There's no questions. There, <laughs> I can agree with you to a certain extent, but think about this. Have you ever really heard the lyrics of his song? They're, wo- they're wonderful, yeah. But you hear it in the voice of Mr. Rogers. Change the voice just a little bit. Just change it to a little bit of a creepy voice, and this is what you get. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Listen, it gets worse. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. Won't you please? Won't you please? Please be my neighbor. (laughs) You're such an idiot. I'm just saying there's question marks there. Why do I have you on this show? You're listening to the Love That Neighborhood podcast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lachlan Coffey. Every episode, we hear stories of social justice and Christian community. And today's episode is where the gospel meets neighboring. And we're actually not going to be talking about Mr. Fred Rogers. Instead, we're going to one neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky, where Christians have decided to take Jesus's command to love their neighbor in the most literal sense possible. Welcome to our corner of the urban universe. Okay, how many folks on your block did you talk to over the last week in your neighborhood where you live? Uh, Let me count none. Zero. Really? Like none? Does a wave count as talking? Okay, so uh, how many people did you talk to over Facebook or email, Snapchat? I'm 37 years old. I don't chat in snaps <laughs> uh, it was a fair amount a large amount of emails and facebooking primarily what's your point of this well what i'm getting at is this okay so there was a study in 2015 from the city observatory so one third of americans said that they have never interacted with their neighbors not once so one in three Americans not once have ever interacted with the people that live next door to them. Which totally makes sense. I mean, it's that's not like that surprising of a stat because when people think of their neighbors, they tend to count their family, their coworkers, their friends, people on Facebook or was Snappy, um, the Snap one, Snapchat. Uh, so ultimately, you know, who cares? We don't have to actually hang out with our neighbors per se. Well, okay, so that's the thing. So we've broadened this term neighbor to refer to any human relationship. And so we no longer even take it to include the people that live, well, actually next door to us. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, the author describes Jesus like this. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But my favorite translation of this verse actually comes from Eugene Peterson's The Message. It says it like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. It gets to this idea that God is not just a commuter God. He didn't send Jesus down for a day to take care of business and then just jet out. He lived where we live and he experienced life how we experience it. But we live in a commuter society. I travel, I drive to work 12 minutes away from my home. I go to a church that's a few neighborhoods back. Like for me personally, I have a million things to do. 
I have a million responsibilities, different hats I wear. And I'm, you know, I use technology, so to speak, to keep up with everyone and keep things progressing and moving along. Yeah. So we've all got our Netflix and our smartphones and our social media accounts. And we literally have the world at our fingertips while the physical people that we live next to, they feel like a world away from us. And I don't know, I just wonder, like, what does it say to our neighbors, the very people who live where we live, if we aren't willing to engage them? It's this very question that started to change the life of a guy named Nathan Ivey. So at the time, Nathan was a pastor at a church in an inner city neighborhood. So Nathan made the decision to move into that neighborhood. He wanted to be in the neighborhood where his church was. But shortly after moving into the neighborhood, Nathan felt convicted. Especially when I moved into the inner city of Louisville, where I was sleeping literally 15 feet from my physical neighbor. And I realized how much time I was spending with my neighbors just 15 feet away, never knowing their name. And when he talks about being 15 feet from his neighbor, he's referring to the fact that in the inner city, the houses are built very close together. And Nathan didn't even know the names of the people who were living so close to him. And to Nathan, though that seemed normal, it didn't necessarily seem right. We're really good at being strangers in America. Uh, We are really good at kind of keeping to ourselves. When you couple that with this great command of loving God and loving your neighbor, I began to really kind of get convicted. And I asked myself, what if Jesus was serious? What if Jesus was serious about literally loving our neighbors? And so Nathan decided he would get to know and love his literal neighbors. And my very first endeavor was, uh, one, to smile, because it's hard to turn down a smile, and then, uh, and then wave and introduce myself as Nathan, which is my name. That's it. Pretty simple. Hey, how's it going? And the neighbors? Well, they also responded pretty simply. Initially met with, oh, well, hi, well, that's, that's nice to meet you. I've got things to do. And it would be, a, you know, a five-second exchange. Uh, and then they would walk into their home. So whenever we try something for the first time, it's often helpful to have other people that have gone before us, other people that have done that same work. And so Nathan, he decided he would use this. It looks like a tic-tac-toe grid. Okay, so this comes from a book called The Art of Neighboring, and this is sort of a visual guide to help you learn how to interact with your neighbors. So here's how Nathan explains it. It is a square with nine different squares inside it, a three squares by three square and uh, in the very middle square is a icon of a house, and that's representative of where you live. If you were to write out these nine different squares and put your house in the middle, then the one above would be maybe the house across the street from you, and the one to the left would be your neighbor to your left, and the one to the right would be the neighbor to the right, and don't forget the neighbor behind you, which we often do. There are three layers of depth to this chart. And so we're going to actually go through all three of those layers. So layer one is really simple. It's actually just get to know your neighbor's names. Okay, so Lachlan, can you name all of your neighbors? Yes, but to be honest, I have to think really hard. Uh, Joe, Joe is one, Mary's another. I don't know if Mary's right. I'm going to take that one back. Joe is his name. And then, uh, uh, what's the one next to me? I forget. Oh, my goodness. Chris? No, I don't know. So on my block, 
Uh, I only know, let's see, I know Richard and Elizabeth one side, and I know um, uh, Ryan and... Uh, oh, that's terrible. So, but my point is this, like, I score low on this. You and I were able to name, like, less than five of our neighbors. But I want you to listen to this guy, Mike Bellucci, when we asked him this same question. Uh, so I got Brian, Daisy, and Jenna. And then I have Kenny and Linnell, and then Miss Carol, and then an abandoned house, and then there's my house, and then there's Patrick, uh, Miss Ruth. Then I got Miss Deidre and Tariana and uh, Albert. And, wow, that guy is impressive. That guy would give Mr. Rogers a run for his money, that's for sure. Yeah, this guy's amazing. So this is Mike Bellucci, and he lives in the same neighborhood that Nathan Ivy moved into. And the reason that we wanted to talk with Mike is because Mike's got this reputation as being almost like a super neighbor. Uh, a new group of people that just moved in not too long ago, and their name's Courtney and Meredith. Twelve houses and an apartment complex on his block, and he can name every single person who lives in every one of these houses. And then I have Vivian and Cece. And then I have Miss Sonia. He needs to run for mayor. Mike the mayor. He would win. Check this out. So we counted by the time that he was done speaking, 37 neighbors. That's how many folks that he remembers by name. I think that's it. And then on the corner, I have uh, uh, Angela and Craig. That is absolutely amazing. Blows my mind. So I asked him, how does he remember so many of these names? I just know how important it is, so I'll, I'll try to really emphasize it. Uh, I met a girl last week, so I probably said her name wrong to her about 20 times. Shermaya, Shariah, but it's Shemaya. So I remember it, but it took me 20 times of telling her the wrong name. I think that's why everybody, I don't want to say that's why everybody knows me, because I have a distinct look, but I remember their names and I call them by their name. And when Mike says like he's got a distinct look, like he is not kidding. I would I would describe myself as a bearded man with tattoos. He's kind of a big guy. He's tall, long beard, tattoos covering every inch of his arms and his legs. So if you think of like Aquaman in the new Justice League movie, like Mike kind of looks like an urban Aquaman. He's just a tough guy. He's kind of intimidating. So how was Mike able to get to know every single person on his street? Right when I moved in, uh, me and my roommates, we made some brownies and cookies and took them to each house. And as we were there, I asked for each person in the house's birthday. And I said, I know it's a random question, but if you could give me your kids, your uncle, whoever lives there's birthday. And then on their birthdays, I had red balloons and pink balloons. And I wrote them hand wrote, handwritten cards, took a red or pink balloon and delivered it. Wait, so let me just get this straight. You have a bearded man, tattoos everywhere going door to door asking names and birthdays. This is the birthday brownie bandit. <laughs> Bearded birthday brownies. <laughs> this sounds crazy. Dude, it, it is. It's totally crazy. And for Mike, it's, like, it's not only ridiculous because of how he looks, but when he delivered one of those birthday balloons in particular, he got the age completely wrong. The ones directly across the street, Angelo, he's, uh, he's 19 now. So the first card I wrote him, he, he was turning 18, but I, I was under the impression his sister said he was he was a newborn. So I wrote happy first birthday, Angelo, because I had never met him yet. And uh, I was like, yo, you might not be able to read this, but I just want you to know that your neighbors are praying for you in our, in our street and, and we care about you and, and we hope you grow up to be like healthy and strong and 
Uh, and then I found out he was 18. And like, I went directly over and was like, bro, like, I did not mean to say, I don't know if you can read this. Like, you probably can't read this, but, and I was like, dude, I thought you were one. He just said, uh, yeah, I was like, what the heck? He, he said a different word, but, but he was, he was like, yeah, I was kind of like, what in the world? Like, dude thinks I can't read. But I was like, well, at least you got a red balloon. Dude, he thought he was one. <laughs> You probably can't read this. <laughs> you got a red balloon. That's gold. That's amazing. Okay, so it's I yeah, that's amazing to hear what Mike did. What about Nathan? Did Nathan do the same thing? Was it all about beards and brownies birthdays? No, so what Nathan decided to do to learn his neighbors' names was to invite them to his own family tradition. We've always loved throwing a Christmas party. And so we've always thrown a street party for our neighbors. So this year, Nathan and his wife invited all their inner city neighbors to come to their home for a Christmas party. Surely their neighbors would want to celebrate Christmas together, right? Well, the day of the party comes, but the neighbors, they don't come. Not a single one. And not because his neighbors don't like Christmas. There was something about his new neighborhood that Nathan just hadn't learned yet. It just so happened, unbeknownst to me, that in the inner city where we were where we were living, people really don't go into people's homes. It was we're a porch culture. We hang out outside and you're now now you're you're kind of inviting us into your home. We don't we don't really do that here. So help me out here. Why don't people in the inner city go into each other's homes? Well, there's a few different reasons, but it can kind of be boiled down to two. And the first reason is that when you live in the inner city, you don't open up your home to other folks because when people come in they might steal something or they might be casing your house, ways to break in later. The other part of it has to do more with pride and shame. You know, a lot of folks are poor and they don't have the nicest houses or the nicest things. In general, just at the end of the day, folks don't really go into each other's homes. But Nathan wasn't going to give up that easily, so he made a new plan. And that was that anytime he noticed his neighbors go outside, Nathan went outside too. Your neighbors are outside cutting the grass. I would say your grass probably needs to be cut too. And so if they're outside raking the leaves and you got some leaves to rake in your yard, that's a good opportunity for you to grab the kids or grab the rake and go out to the front yard and rake some leaves. And you can have a conversation about raking leaves and say, hey, your yard's looking really good over there. And you know what? They're probably going to respond, hey, I'm glad you're raking your leaves too. Isn't this a pain in the you know what? And, uh, and you know, an opportunity to laugh and maybe crack a joke. Yes, because there's so many jokes to crack when you're raking leaves. Uh, I can see how most people would think this is so trivial or just almost like a boring task. Because when we think about serving God or serving our neighbors, it always has to be like radical. We have to do something that's crazy. But sometimes it's as simple as just raking your leaves. Yeah, dude, I, I know. I love how just non-epic this whole thing is. Like, it's just very, very normal day-to-day life. And it was really through these normal, everyday interactions that Nathan ended up learning the names of all of his neighbors. I actually have a joke about raking leaves. These leaves must be maple leaves because they may pull my back out. Maple. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so layer one is getting to know people's names. Now let's move on to layer two. So layer two in getting to know your neighbors is to find out some fact about them, something you learn from conversation with them. 
Do they have any hobbies? What's their favorite movie? And so for Nathan, well, he learned very quickly that his neighbor Gene, Gene loved football. My neighbor Gene is a huge, huge football fan. So huge that even when the windows are closed, we can hear him screaming in our house in football season. Now, here's the thing. Nathan is actually himself. He's not a football fan. And in fact, he knows very little about the sport. But nevertheless, Nathan did see this as an opportunity to hang out with Gene. I said, hey, Gene, I could tell that you love football so much. I don't really love it. I don't really understand it. Do you mind if I come over for a game and experience all this joy that's coming out of your house during this football game? Guess what his answer was on that? Stay with us. Hi, this is Bethany from Binghamton, New York. I made an impact on my neighbors by serving for a summer with Love Thy Neighborhood. To experience your social justice internship in Christian community, visit lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. You're listening to the Love That Neighborhood podcast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lachlan Coffey. Today's episode is where the gospel meets neighboring. So we've been following the story of Nathan Ivey as he tries to take Jesus's words to love your neighbor, literally. He's now learned the names of all of his neighbors and he's trying to go deeper. So he finds out that his neighbor, Gene, loves football. And so he asked Gene if he could come over to watch a football game with him. Guess what his answer was on that? Yes, of course. He's like a football evangelist. He wants to throw as many football parties as he can. And so he, he, he set off with the task of introducing me to football and the joys of football. And then Nathan introduced him to Jesus. And now they're best friends. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Like, that's, where we're, that's the end game, right? We're all trying just to get Gene to know about Jesus. Well, yeah, but I don't know that Nathan's like walking through the door and going like, here's chips and salsa and my evangelism track. Read this literature, please. Like, I don't think that's what he's going for. Yeah, I remember taking these like evangelism classes and it was all about how do you get people to talk about Jesus? So, oh, that team scored a touchdown. Do you know what the greatest touchdown of all time is? Jesus. Yeah, we just get caught up in this idea all the time. Like, just get to Jesus as quick as possible when we bypass opportunities just to to love your neighbors. And last time I checked, like, that's a salesman. A salesman goes in with a quota and an agenda. And I totally believe in the Great Commission. Like, I totally think that we we go and we make disciples of all nations. And But I, I don't know, man. We just try to microwave these relationships to, like, get to the spiritual sales pitch as fast as possible. Like, I carry with me a sense of, like, now I want an answer now I want I want fruit now I want evidence now I think that we've lost some of our grit like our ability to stay with it over the long haul yeah and what's interesting about neighbors is these are people they're not fleeting they're not going to be gone the next day they're going to still be there so developing that long-term relationship with them that's beneficial to them and to you like you don't have to microwave the relationship so to speak and rush into a Jesus conversation so fast The other thing that's true is like our faith can be offensive to people. And sometimes it's offensive because of the truth of the gospel and that offends people. But sometimes there's people that just have stories and history with the church that's just hard for them. They've been hurt or abused by Christians. And so 
as Nathan got to know one of his neighbors, it turns out that she really just didn't want anything to do with the church. I introduced myself to my neighbor, Julie, and she asked me what I did. And I said, hey, I'm a pastor at a local church. And immediately her eyes shot straight down to her feet. She wouldn't make eye contact with me. And she pretty much hustled back into the house. And it was really quiet with my neighbor, Julie, for a great number of months. Nathan continued to say hi to Julie whenever she was outside, and she'd be cordial and say hi back, but that was about as far as it went. She seemed to have no interest in befriending a pastor until football season rolled around. Luckily for me, she was married to Jean. And so when Jean invited me into the house, I was able to meet Julie on a more personal level. I was tapping into some prior experience of hers with the clergy or with the church, and they're like, hey, this guy is pretty cool. Uh, he may not know anything at all about football, but you know what? I've enjoyed him in my home and, and our conversations picked up from there. And this, this brings us to our third and final layer of the neighboring chart. So layer one, get to know people's names. Layer two, get to know something important about them. And layer three, that's knowing who your neighbors are on a more personal heart level. What motivates them to get up and go to work every day? What drives them? What keeps them up at night? What are some of their What are some of their fears? What are some of their life struggles? Do you know if your neighbors had any dreams that just never came true? So as Nathan is spending time with Gene and Julie watching football, he learns that they actually did have a dream, and that dream was to one day have grandchildren. And they have an older daughter, but due to circumstances that weren't exactly clear to us, Nathan came to realize that Julie and Jean were never going to have grandkids. Well, Nathan and his wife, they have two young children. And his children love to draw and fill their grandparents' fridge with pictures and cards they've made. So Nathan thought, why not have his kids do the same? But this time, do it for Jean and Julie. Mr. Gene was in the hospital for five weeks, and so both Catherine and Jack, my children, were praying for them and wrote him get well cards on a regular basis, and then that was when I visited him in the hospital, then we posted that up on the wall, and that was just a means of encouragement to them. Even though they're just neighbors, Gene and Julie, they've become almost like family. And so anything that we do for my parents or my wife's parents, we also do for our neighbors. And so they love treating our children as grandkids. They bought a little swimming pool, and it's just fun to send my kids over there and let them play with them in the pool. And that brings me such great joy, knowing that it brings them great joy. So what I'm hearing is, you know, I'm going to get this tic-tac-toe grid neighborhood chart. I'm baking brownies for neighbors. I'm putting kids in pools. I'm raking leaves. And then I win the tic-tac-toe prize, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, our neighbors aren't a formula. This grid is to help serve as a guide, but every person is different. It just never goes quite the way that you think it's going to. And you've got to learn to adapt. So our team members at Love Thy Neighborhood actually experience this all the time. They come to love their neighbors, but it ends up never quite being what they expected. And this was certainly true for team member Daisy Cooper. 
Daisy came to serve for a summer with Love Thy Neighborhood. Now, Love Thy Neighborhood, we offer social justice internships supported by Christian community in low-income neighborhoods. And as part of their time in their neighborhood, they begin to invest in the life of their neighbors. They begin to get to know them, reach out to them. So Daisy, who had come to serve with us, she and her other teammates, they got to work right away, thinking of ways that they could get to know and connect with their neighbors. Go play with neighbors in the park. Be inviting someone over, sitting on your porch, whatever you want it to look like, which is the good thing and made it a little easier in theory. Yeah, easy in theory, not so easy in practice. All summer, Daisy tried to do the same things that Nathan had done in his neighborhood. She smiled, she introduced herself, she waved to neighbors when she saw them. But for Daisy, loving her neighbors wasn't going to be as easy as that. Me and my roommate uh, made cookies and took them around to some neighbors, wrote a nice note, and no one opened the door. Like people would peek out the little blind, but not open their door. And we would see their TV on because their front door is open, but they're not coming and answering. So we just laid them on the doorstep. So Daisy came up with a plan B. She started spending a lot of time at the local park. And she went there because it was summertime and there's always people hanging around at the park. Except that every time Daisy went to meet people, no one was there. It wasn't like she wasn't trying. She just couldn't connect with anybody. It was discouraging because, like, we come here to love on our neighbors, and I didn't meet a single neighbor. Despite the discouragement of not meeting any of her neighbors, Daisy decided to turn her summer term into a year-long term. She wanted to continue to serve at her service site and live in Christian community. But of course, the thing that she was not looking forward to was neighboring. Didn't want to do that part at all. It didn't happen in the summer. What makes you think it's going to happen for a year living in the same place? Well, even though Daisy's not excited about neighboring, she gets a new group of teammates, and they are excited. So the first weekend they're all together, they're discussing what they can do to try to meet people in the neighborhood. And her teammates come up with this great idea. Let's all go to the park. And I'm thinking, guys, it didn't work in the summer. It's not going to work now. Going to the park is what Daisy had done all summer. She knew from experience it's not going to work. So when her teammates leave for the park... Daisy decides to stay home. After a couple of hours of being home by herself, she goes outside to see if her teammates have had any success. She spots them inside the community center in the middle of the park. But Daisy doesn't want to go inside because she still thinks this whole idea of meeting neighbors, it's pointless. So she sits down outside the door and waits for her teammates to come out. And while she's waiting, a lady walks out of the community center. There's this pregnant lady who is waddling and her kid is like running circles around her. And I can tell she is not having it. She wants to sit down. He wants to throw a ball. So this lady comes out and she's pregnant and she's got her son running all around her. He's probably about two years old. And Daisy's sitting there and she's got this instinct inside of her that says she could go and she could help this woman. But she also knows it's not going to make a difference because it never has before. And so she sits there for 15 minutes, and then she just can't take it anymore. She's got to go help this woman. And then I go over to her, and I'm like, hey, do you want me to play with your son? Like, is that okay? And I'm expecting her to be like, no, you're a stranger. Get away from me and my son. What was the woman's response? Well, her response actually ended up changing everything. And I was shocked. Up next, a baby shower, a baptism, and a weed eater? Stay with us. Hi, this is Andrew from Bowling Green, Kentucky. 
I made an impact on my neighbors by serving for a year with Love Thy Neighborhood. To experience your social justice internship in Christian community, visit lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. You're listening to the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lachlan Coffey. Today's episode is where the gospel meets neighboring. Daisy Cooper is serving with Love Thy Neighborhood. She's at the park and she sees a pregnant lady with a two-year-old son running circles around her. This woman looks exhausted and Daisy decides to roll the dice and ask this woman if she can help her with her son. And what does this woman say? Yeah, sure, go ahead. And I was shocked. So Daisy throws a ball around with the little boy, and she learns that the woman's name is Jamesia. My first impression of Daisy, I just actually thought like she was just somebody in the neighborhood. She was like, do you mind if I play with your son? And I'm like, oh, yes, take him off my hands. Like, I got this huge belly. I would love to sit down for a second. Daisy's teammates eventually come over, and they also start playing with the little boy. So as her teammates are playing with the little boy, Daisy walks over and sits down with Jamesia. She learns that Jamesia is a single mom. She's in her third trimester of pregnancy, and she moved here a year ago with her son, Kobe. I was miserable, stressed out, thought I would never, like, get anywhere and stuff. Um, At the time, I was pregnant and had Kobe, so I couldn't work. I was, like, really struggling. So it was very, like, stressful and miserable for me. So they're really enjoying their conversation with each other. Daisy's really excited because she's finally met a neighbor. Jamesia's excited because she's got people playing with her kid. And so they exchange phone numbers. And then suddenly a rain shower happens. It started raining. So we just like literally ran home. And she's like struggling. Seven months pregnant. She can't run. So they part ways and each go home. And Daisy figured she probably wouldn't see Jamesia again. That this was just some random meeting. It was strange that I never saw her my whole summer because she lived like two blocks from us. We always went to the park. She said she always went to the park. But no, it's really weird. But Jamesia was really curious about these people. Actually, I was hoping to run into them again after she talked to me about how much they they were involved into the community. Because I just they just seemed to be so happy, you know, and just calm about things. Now, remember, when Daisy and Jamesia met at the park, they exchanged phone numbers. And Jamesia is the only neighbor that Daisy has gotten to know. And so Daisy starts texting Jamesia often, asking her if she wants to come over, asking her if she wants to go to church, asking if she wants to meet up for dinner, uh, wanting to spend time together. And it's just hard for Jamesia. Jamesia is a single mom with a baby on the way. And so Daisy starts asking herself, you know, if I were in Jamesia's shoes, what would I want right now? And so she decides to throw Jamesia a baby shower. She was seven months pregnant when we met her and, and she didn't have things for this baby. So Daisy gets on Facebook and starts asking her friends to donate things and help throw this shower. And her teammates, they start doing the same thing. And it was really awesome also to see my roommates just come behind that idea. Because for six people who've never had a baby to like throw a baby shower, we're like, yeah, that's crazy. People donated tons of stuff, from baby clothes to a bouncer, um, 
food for the party, decorations for the party. Um, they came to our party. And because Jamesia didn't really have friends to invite to the shower, Daisy just invited some of her own friends. It was a bit strange asking people to come to a stranger's baby shower, but they did. And some of the strangers that came to that shower, Jamesia's friends with some of them now. Here's Jamesia remembering the shower. It was amazing. They brought lots of gifts. Can't say that, so I went home with a lot of stuff that I was not expecting. <laughs> After that, I just felt happy and joyful, you know, just excited, like, yay, I have friends now. That baby shower ended up being a turning point for Daisy and Jamesia. After the baby shower and after seeing that Daisy was committed to be a part of her life, Jamesia accepted her invitation to go to church. And she started going to church every week. And then to Daisy's community group, which is a small, more intimate gathering of people from her church. A few months later, Jamesia's baby was born. Daisy and her teammates would often babysit for Jamesia so she could go to community group, so she could look for a job, and even so she could attend a baptism class at church. And on the Sunday of her baptism, during her testimony, there is one person she specifically mentions by name. Here's a clip of someone reading Jamesia's testimony at her baptism service. I got pregnant again, and that's when I broke, and I cried out to God. I prayed, and I asked God for help. But more than that, I needed redemption. He then placed Daisy Cooper into my life. Daisy became my friend and introduced me to Sojourn, where God really started revealing himself to me and molding my heart. He gave me clarity on what his word meant when he says, I am your stronghold. My faith began to grow more and more because I believe, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, that my story is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Amen. Amen. So when I heard my name, I froze, but just like everything in me stopped moving. And I just like started crying, just broke down crying. I just didn't expect to be in her story, her testimony by name. It was real that I was a part of someone's story. So Daisy's finished her time with Love Thy Neighborhood, and she still lives in the neighborhood where she served. And she doesn't have any neighborhood requirements anymore or any outreach hours she has to meet. But... She still sees Jamesia all the time because they're friends now. I see her probably twice, not three times a week. We probably talk every other day. And it's funny to see how that's changed because at first she wasn't even responding or we weren't talking not even once a week. And to go like to every other day says a lot about our friendship now. I would say thank you for being a huge blessing in my life. I just really appreciate everything that you do and have ever done for my kids and I. You're amazing, and we love you. I think the common thread through all these stories is initiative. Neighboring is not natural. We do not naturally go and put our kids in our neighbor's pool, you know, to let them swim or break leaves at the same. Like, that takes initiative. It takes initiative to get to know your neighbor's names. But that's the initiative that Christ has called us to, that we moved into our neighborhood, so to speak, and we're called to take action, to take to take initiative. It's practical, and it seems so small, but it has obviously huge implications. Okay, we're going to do a pop quiz, and we're going to see how you do on this. So I'm going to give you five seconds. I want you to think of five sermons that deeply impacted your life. Sermons? Yes, and go. 
there was a sermon on scheming for the kingdom. There was a sermon. Okay, done. Okay. Oh, five seconds. Okay, now I want you to take five seconds and I want you to think of five people that have deeply impacted your life. Go. Jim, Mark, Mike, Daniel, Chris. Okay, so which one was easier? The five people. So relationships are what change lives. The two most important commandments in scripture, they're relational. Like everything in the scriptures is about relationships. And that's why I love this topic of neighboring, because it's such an easy way to apply being a change agent in the world and affecting change in this world for the glory of God. So I asked Nathan if he'd had any neighbors that he'll never forget. And he told me one last story. This one was about his neighbor, Justin. Uh, I met Justin because Justin's weed eater broke. And in the inner city, sometimes your lots aren't big enough to really need a lawnmower. So you just buy a weed eater. And because I had been saying hi to him and I happened to be outside, he comes over and he sees that I have a weed eater. And he said, hey, can I borrow that weed eater? Because uh, mine just busted and, and I'd love to get my yard done. And so I said, sure, Justin, I'd, I'd love for you to take it. And uh, so he started borrowing my weed eater. Well, Nathan and Justin started talking every time he needed the weed eater. And eventually, this weed eater, it helped form their friendship. And so after I saw a rhythm that maybe maybe they couldn't afford a weed eater, maybe he just liked coming over and chatting to get the weed eater. But it dawned on me, I said, Justin, why don't you just keep the weed eater at your house? And when I need the weed eater, I'll come get it from you. And something happened when, when I made that offer because he took me up on it. He said, you know what, I'll keep the weed eater. And, I, and he took better care of that thing than I ever would have. And whenever I needed the weed eater, I would go over there and it was a, it's a beautiful opportunity to knock on his door and talk to him for a few minutes. But uh, we became really close friends after that. And it wasn't uh, but about a year later that it was, I remember very clearly, it was 12, 12 a.m. I get a phone call and it was Donna, Justin's wife, and she said, Nathan, Nathan, uh, Justin uh, Justin is in the bathtub. He's not breathing. I think he might be dying. Come over. And I said, did you call the police? She said, no, I called you. I called her. I called you. And I said, well, hang up. I'm coming over, but call 911. Think about that for a second. They had fostered a relationship that was so deep that when an emergency happened, her first instinct was not to call the police. It was to call her neighbor. And we got 911 over. Unfortunately, he had a heart attack and passed away. The family asked Nathan to sit with them frequently in the days that followed Justin's death, just to be with them in their time of loss and their pain and their confusion. And then they asked him to conduct the funeral, his very first one. And then they gave him something. They gave me a copy of his Bible. He was a, he was a believer and he would have said that our relationship helped foster a closer relationship with God for him. And those are the kinds of relationships that I'll never, I'll never forget. Where it begins with a hello, it deepens with a weed eater, and it culminates in a funeral where eventually I'll see him face to face again. And I look forward to that day. Nathan is the founder and executive director for Seed to Oaks, 
Seed to Oaks mobilizes local churches to respond to poverty and injustice in their surrounding neighborhoods. And you can learn more about Seed to Oaks by visiting their website at seedtooaks.com. To get more resources on this topic or to hear past episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website at lovethyneighborhood.org slash podcast. Special thank you to our interviewees for this episode, Nathan Ivey, Mike Bellucci, Daisy Cooper, and Jamesia Buchanan. Our senior producer and host is Jesse Eubanks. Our co-host today is Lachlan Coffey. And our producer, technical director and editor is Rachel Zabo. Additional editing by Janelle Dawkins. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere, Poddington Bear, Broke for Free, Blue Dot Sessions, and Wooden Axle. Apply for your social justice internship supported by Christian Community by visiting lovethyneighborhood.org. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. You said social justice internship so much better that time. I have it. <laughs> I did practice that this week. Which of these was a neighbor to the man in need? The one who showed mercy. Jesus tells us, go and do likewise. <laughs>